Flavor Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and Smokin' Cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavor Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Rass and Randy Griggs. And the Odyssey continues. What's up, Dojo Nation? Welcome to another episode and season two of Flavor Odyssey. Your host, Robbie Raz, co-host Randy Griggs, coming to you live from Lot B and Lot B minus Randy out here in very, very warm um, California. It is toasty today, Randy. We are brought to you by the fine folks at Drew Estate. Randy, the rebirth of cigars. Randy, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Very excited about starting season two. Uh, obviously, we've had this one coming for a while. Uh, excited to see how it goes. And obviously, today we have our first guest. That's going to be exciting. Ooh. Ooh, you just let the cat out of the bag. We have the the man himself, Nick Perdomo, is here with us. Nick, thank you for taking the time to hang out with us today. Really appreciate uh. it. Thanks for having me, guys. Much appreciated. Oh, it's always always a blast to chat with you. I really appreciate you guys hanging out. Um, so we're we're kicking off season two, and just kind of a reminder, let the audience know this is a very different format than what we did in season one. Season one, we just kind of followed through the alphabet, and it was a strictly cigar and beer pairing. Uh, this season, Randy, we're doing a little bit different. We are uh, chasing the perfect pairing, if you will, for. Um, for each particular wrapper type, not each particular. We pick, we pick six specific wrappers, and we're starting off with the uh, Connecticut, Ecuadorian Connecticut, Connecticut shade. They all kind of fall under the same umbrella there, and we're kicking it off with uh, Randy, one of the cigars that I think really kind of launched the. You know, we call it like the new Connecticut, but it's it's been around for a while, but launched kind of a newer style of Connecticut. That's the uh, Perdomo Champagne. Indeed. The Perdomo Champagne 10th Anniversary brought to you and us by our new show sponsor, Smoke In. New show sponsor, Smoke In. What, how awesome is it? We've been doing this for, this is our second season, and we're already aligned with some great folks like Jura State and uh, Smoke In, and we've got a fantastic guest, our first guest on the show, Nick Perdomo. I think we're doing pretty well. I'd say so. I'd say so. I don't want yeah, to hurt good my about arm. It. I don't want to pat myself on the back too much. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, we're killing it. No, it's <laughs> exciting. Uh, so, so Nick, give us. So, like I was saying, like the, the <sighs> there's the idea of like your grandfather's Connecticut. We're just going to jump right into it. We'll get into the cocktail a little bit later. Um, like the idea of your grandfather's Connecticut. That terminology gets thrown around a lot, and. Um, for those folks in the industry, you know that for however many years now, Connecticut wrapped cigars have been the top sellers uh, in the United States. Um, but when you made the champagne 
it was you went with kind of a, a classic rapper, but you really turned the whole idea of the blend on its head. What give us what was the impetus of 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 that? Like where did you get that idea from? Why did you think something like that was gonna work? Well, all Connecticut shade wrap cigars uh, 20 years ago were mostly Dominican filler and binders with uh, with an Ecuadorian or a Connecticut uh, seed wrapper. And I always found it to be really tart. And what had happened was we had had a brand called Cuban Parejo in 99. And my dad called me up and he said, hey, what are we going to do with all this Connecticut? And at the time, I wasn't a big fan of it. I found it to be really tart. And uh, I, he said, these, these wrappers aren't yellow like egg yolk. They look a lot like honey and butterscotch colors, almost like a honey color. Let me make a couple cigars. Let me see them. And in my circle of trust, my dad was definitely one of them. And uh, he said, hey, man, these cigars are creamy. They're really great, blah, blah, blah. So I, uh, I said, send me some. I thought he was joking. And I was talking to my team in Miami. And I said, look, let's have an open mind. Because back in those days, we were using mostly a lot of Ecuadorian wrappers, Sumatra seed and and Cuban seeds, so on back in those days. And I smoked the cigar and I, I found the nuances incredible. And it worked really well with Nicaraguan fillers and binders. Called Daniel Nunez at the time, who was the president of General Cigar, who made Macanudo. And he was the biggest selling cigar in the world. Over 50 million Macanudos were sold that year. And I called him and I said, hey, listen, I got to be honest with you. I don't, I really don't like Macanudos. And I really don't like anything with Connecticut Shade Rabber. But I got to tell you this story. And, and I and I had these old wrappers that I've had because, you know, it wasn't because of my infinite wisdom, but we had wrappers there from, you know, our 1990 or from 1991, 1990 crop back in those days. And they're darker and they're really like almost creamy in flavor. I don't taste that tartness. And he said, well, Nick, you know, what does everybody do when they get Connecticut shade wrappers? It burns perfectly from the from the uh, from the actual plant. We put it in the curing house, we bring it down, and we roll cigars. But the tobacco is basically raw, right? And I said, yeah. He said, any raw tobacco is bitter. And I said, you're right. He said, you're blessed. You got these old wrappers. And in reality, the, the, Connecticut, the Connecticut Shade wrapper, in my opinion, is the best tobacco in the world, he said. So uh, I remember talking to my dad and saying, man, I really like this. This really works well with our fillers from Esteli and Jalapa. And uh, we can come up with something special. And my dad came up and said, hey, man, when we started working on this, about a year later, and he said, you know, we have the Champagne of Rappers, hence we came out with the name Perdomo Reserve Champagne. It's going to celebrate, it's going to be 19 years in the industry, and uh, the company's been blessed. We sold tens of millions of them. It's really the gold standard with a Connecticut shade wrapper, because it's really a rich cigar, because we really can't make a real mild cigar with, with our Nicaraguan fillers and binders, but it was, you, you, you brought a great point. It really was kind of out of the, out of the realm, because everybody was always pinpointing really light fillers to work with these wrappers and we came up with something that was meaty and flavorful that really could accent these wrappers so you taste that rich nicaraguan flavor but you still taste that that real creaminess of that connecticut shade wrapper very forgiving it burns very well and so on but it also has a lot of flavor <clears throat> a lot of guys that come on our factory tour like like jordan's dad we would bring him into the connecticut rooms where we were casing connecticut wrappers that were completely fermented by us and he was like wow man it smells like spicy honey wheat bread and it did and that's what those wrappers are and you know you have to ferment tobacco thoroughly so you can get the solid cores of its flavor and connecticut really works well with nicaraguan fillers and binders but you're going to have to take the time and age these tobaccos a lot of people tell me well you're crazy you lose so much moisture and i always say a box of, of connecticut shade wrapper will make you twenty four thousand six hundred cigars if i lose 10 pounds of fluid that's 500 bucks 
if you divide that between, mm. you know, 24 and 25,000 cigars, it's, it's peanuts. And how much does it cost you to win a customer? And, and how did I sell, you know, over 75 million, 80 million of these cigars in its lifespan? It's because the cigar has been consistent and we've kept the consistency and the fermentation and it's an excellent wrapper. And I, it's not your, 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 it's not the old Oldsmobile, your grandfather smoked. It's, it's got a lot of flavor and, it's a very forgiving cigar, and it kind of hits every gamut from somebody who likes more of a medium bite cigar to even somebody who likes a, a three-quarter cigar. Uh, Jordan, your dad was on our tour, and we blindfolded them because we do a lot of these blindfold tastings in the house. And uh, what had happened was – sorry about the motorcycle and the Ferrari behind me screaming, <laughs> I'm at the, but I'm here at the beach. But um, we gave him a cigar. It was a Champagne Noir and a Champagne, and – Everybody will tell you the Champagne Noir is more full body, but it actually has two points less in nicotine. Hmm. Hmm. And your dad picked right. He said, this cigar is more full body. When we took the, the blindfold off and he saw it was a Connecticut shade wrapper, he flipped out because a lot of people do because your eyes are big perception. But if you sure. really close your eyes and you smoke this cigar, it's not a mild cigar. But even people who like mild cigars or beginners like a smooth, well-fermented uh, cigar that, that's, that's, that's got good flavor. And this is why this has been such a big winner for us. So can I ask you just kind of a follow-up, and it's really what you already said, but I just want to make sure that I understood sure. that right. So do you give more credit to what Champagne was and, and what it led to in the Connecticut Shade segment? Is it more the Esteli and Jalapa uh, fillers and the blend, or is it do you give more credence to the aging process of the wrapper? Well, I do both, I, and yep. that's an excellent question. The fillers and binders, of course, have to accent the flavor, but the wrapper, to really taste the wrapper, it has to be fermented well. And what you normally taste with a lot, because Connecticut is so expensive, whether it's grown in Ecuador or Connecticut, in most instances in Ecuador, it's even more expensive. Mm. People, because it burns so well, they just roll it on the cigar. And the secret to this, and my competitors can be listening to, they know I'm telling the truth, you have to lay this tobacco down. And if you lay it down and you and you just keep aging it, it gets better. It also turns with darker cask of colors, not to mention that we barrel age all these these wrappers for additional six to ten months, depending on the cigar, where you're really getting the flavor characteristics of that particular cigar. So I think it's a combination. I think that's an excellent question. I think the champagne is such a unique cigar because of the fermentation, but also because of the fillers and binders we use. And we can say that. With every cigar we make, because every cigar we make has three different wrappers. It's going to have either a Connecticut shade wrapper, a sun-grown wrapper, which we grow up in the Jalapa, the Condega Valleys, and our Maduro wrappers, which are grown by us. And, you know, I always say they're the three best cuts of meat. It's, you know, your filet mignon, it's your your, your porterhouse, and your bone-in ribeye. And you want to, you, you can't just eat filet every day. You got to change it around. And um, a lot of people laughed at me when I came out with this brand, especially with the cellophane and so on. And uh, I always say it's such a great seller. Put both my kids through college. So I think I'm getting the last laugh. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very so good. you touched on you touched on something that I want to uh, I want to ask you about uh, real quick. I want to thank our audience for tuning in uh, and a reminder, Randy, we've got a giveaway. Uh, That's right. Today. We've got a we've got a hat. Uh, tell everybody about the giveaway. You know what it is. Better than I uh, we do. Well, uh, Perdomo Cigars has a new website with a great merch store, and so we were checking it out. Saw they had some fantastic merch, so we wanted to uh, draw some attention to it for our good friends over there. And uh, so we went ahead and picked up a Perdomo ashtray, a cutter, and a hat. 
And the hat's actually a pretty cool hat. It has a bottle opener right in the bill. Uh, and and so uh, we're going to have one winner for today's show that's going to win all three of those things. You're going to get a whole kit of Perdomo merch. Uh, all we ask is that you hit the share button on this feed. Uh, share this to your personal feeds so that uh, we can share the news with, with everybody that we're kicking off season two. And we will pick a random winner from those that share the show. Sweet. Sweet. Good deal. Yeah, that, uh, the, it's a pretty good swag. You guys do a, a nice job with your branded merch. Thank um, you. Okay, so you, so you touched on the cello, and I mean, <laughs> it's 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 eye catching. It's very different. the The concept of the yellow cello is the aged cigar. At least that's what I see a lot of people posting with that hashtag and that kind of thing. What was the? And I'm sure you've told the story a thousand times, but if you'll indulge me and tell it one more time, wh- whose idea was this? Wh- where did it come from? Why why the gold? Why the gold? So. Well, in reality, when you pull it out, it's actually orange. And the reason it turns yellow is when you put when you put it over the cigar, the color of the wrapper turns it yellow. Mm. It looks a lot like Cristal Champagne. And what we wanted to do were two things. At the time when we came out with it, 80% of the brands had Connecticut Shade wrappers, but they were mostly Dominican fillers. I wanted something to stand out with it. And these are UV-coated. Back in those days, the retailers had fluorescent lights, and it would blanch the wrappers. And I wanted to protect mm. those wrappers because of their beautiful color cask and everything. So we came up with a company out of Chicago called Inovia Films, and they, they produce pure cellos for us and our cellophane machines. And I wanted a different color so I could be able to not only when a person, we knew the cigar was excellent, but we also wanted the person to remember it. And that cellophane was kind of a tough choice for us to do, but we knew it would be the right thing because it helped the people. To, because back in those days, everybody had wooden boxes. Everything looked the same. And people really forgot unless they kept their bands in their pockets back in those days. But you can never forget it. I actually wanted to to terminate it about 12 years ago. And I'm glad I didn't because it's it's our biggest selling brand. It's one of the biggest selling brands in America, numbers-wise. And uh, we're really proud of it. We're proud how we've been able to keep the consistency and the dosage complete. I got a friend of mine in Houston who, who's one of our distributors, his name's Brian Jensen. He's about 6'6", six, six, and Brian smokes about 10 champagne Churchills a day, and he gave me the greatest compliment. He said, these cigars are like Coca-Cola, and they never change. They're just so consistent. And that's really what the work of our people who do just a great job, not only in our blending rooms, but in our curation rooms, and us being vertically integrated, it's been, it's been a godsend for us. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Jordan, I believe we may have lost Robbie Raz. It kind of um, looks like we lost Robbie. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's okay, though. We'll, we'll keep going while you try and work on that. And uh, so, Nick, one of the things that I had heard, um, you know, going back to your conversation about, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the Connecticut rapper that gets out there is basically unfermented. And, uh, but we've also heard that there's different grades uh, that lead to different colors and different sweetness in the uh, in the wrapper. Do you, what do you guys what do you know about uh, the grades of Connecticut and uh, are are they vastly different in flavor and uh, what are you guys using and if if yeah, you the, another another great question you know you have different primings different positions on the plant okay. we like sixth and seventh primings which are the highest on the particular plant. The reason is they have what we call more grease or oil or resin. They got darker hues. 
They're also thicker, and because they're thicker, they're going to provide more flavor. But because of that also, they need more time to ferment because our growers, who are the same growers the Perez family been growing this tobacco for us in Ecuador for the last 25 years, know exactly what we want. But we also know that they cure the tobacco and ferment it to about 45 to 50 percent of where it should be. And what we do is we take it the rest of the way and we request that because we really have it's a very hard wrapper to ferment that we have specialists because we've been working with this wrapper for so many years. What happens is if you, if you, if you give it too much heat, it'll bruise like a banana peel. So you have to be very careful when it's also extremely expensive. It's the most expensive wrapper in the world. So what we do is we buy number ones, which are the best of the best. And what we do is we, we buy a, a, a grade called BW, which is called brown weight, which is a more uh, honey, reddish you know golden color and then when we ferment it those 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 tonalities start coming up naturally because the natural sugars and the cask of colors rise and really the process takes us a long time we also keep a, a, a big inventory of tobacco if i told you probably wouldn't believe it but today we're in 2020 and we're still working on 2013 2014 crop and the reason is is because we buy three containers every year because i want to keep that success up so I can yeah. have consistency in the actual wrapper that produces quite a bit of flavor in the cigar. Okay, that's fantastic. You you also mentioned, though, and obviously there's a huge conversation uh, about the agriculture in, in the state of Connecticut here in the States. Yes. And, uh, and you know, where it started there. And it's funny to me that uh, typically uh, there's an origin that's uh, assigned to a specific wrapper. And if it's a different origin, you usually hear that denoted, like, uh, Ecuadorian Sumatra, for instance, but right. Equ Ecuadorian Connecticut has become so prevalent that it rarely is even denoted anymore. It's all just Connecticut now. Um, right. Are, are you guys using exclusively uh, Ecuadorian? Can you speak to the flavor difference? Can you switch back and forth between the two? How does that all play out? We've, we've, we've been using solely Ecuador, Connecticut for the last 16 years. The reason being is in 2008, during the real estate boom, the Connecticut plots were truncated over Har uh, Hartford because of real estate. And we started seeing them getting smaller and smaller. And we were really banking on Ecuador. We find the wrappers to be more oily. They have less open grain. I think they're more flavorful. And that natural cloud cover is a godsend for these particular types of wrappers. And and the Perez family that grow for us, they do a phenomenal job. They've been in Ecuador for years. And um, we just started seeing the Connecticut shade wrappers start dwindling in, in consistency because of, of a lack of land, to be quite honest with you. Um, so we really exclusively use Ecuador. I think it's more sheeny. Like I said, it's got more oil, more resin. And um, it's a tobacco that especially if you get the high primings, it can it can take a licking, so that's what we like to use okay. and we find to be very consistent. So the flavor differences between the two uh, origins is significant enough that it really doesn't allow for you to you pick and choose from one harvest to another. No, and we have a consistency because we have a grower. You know, we grow ninety nine percent of our own tobacco, and uh, there he is. And um, one of the things that we find important is to, to have consistency by using the same primings, the same plots of land, and having the grower grow tobacco for us for what we like and what we need for our cigars. So um, 
we have two variables. We have one for our, our 20th anniversary, and we have one for our 10th anniversary champagne. And uh, we play with different different priming wrappers for some of our other great cigars because of the type of binders we use. And what it does is it builds consistency in the in the actual brand of cigar, regardless right. of which one it is. Fantastic. Well, Sorry about that, that, guys. Sorry no about problem, that. I, uh, we, we lost you. Lost. I know. I, you guys must have been just struggling without me, I'm sure. Randy, uh, Randy really took over. Killed it. <laughs> Randy it's, did a great it's, job. Uh, it's, about, it's about 103 degrees here in, uh, in Pleasant Hill today, so I think that might have something to do with the Internet, although maybe, I, maybe that's totally wrong. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but um, now I'm getting all kinds of messages pop up. So uh, refresh me, Randy. What did we just cover? Uh, so we just covered the uh, difference between Ecuadorian and Connecticut. Uh, Nick was telling us that they choose the number one BWs as far as the grades and uh, exclusively for the last 16 years, be getting it from the Perez family in Ecuador. Fantastic. Can we get a, a can we squeeze an audience question in real Absolutely. quick? Sure. Uh, Troy Clopton wants to know, um, is this solar cycle affecting your current crop? Heard the radiation is damaging some plants closer to the equator. Not that, not that I've seen, uh, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't, I don't know of anything like that. The, uh, the last two years of their crops have been pretty outstanding. Um, one of the great things about Ecuador because of the Andes chain is we don't have any ozone damage as you would see in a lot of countries like Brazil because of the chain being so high. Uh, ozone, these, it's these little white flecks that happen from pollution. And um, where we are in Milagros in Ecuador, where they grow tobacco for us, we're really kind of out in the middle of, or they're kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and they have a great operation. So uh, it's a great question, Troy. I haven't seen anything. Matter of fact, I've seen the tobacco becoming more and more superior. But again, it's easy when they know exactly what you want, they know the grades you want, and they already know what I'm going to ask for next year. So it's it's pretty consistent you know right you know i i can tell you i so i i've told you nick i work in the uh the beer industry and got an opportunity uh last year to go up to the hop harvest and it and i got to see firsthand how great it is uh, I, I was a guest of a brewery that i'm friends with and you know the the farmer knew exactly the characteristics oh, that sure. this brewery specifically looked for, and, and and it was great to see you know the pride that he laid out four different lots of the same variety oh, yeah. of hop, and and he kind of nudged me and he says, I think I know what 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 he's going to choose. We'll, we'll see how he did. We went through the smell test and everything, and um and he was dead on. He knew exactly what the brewery wanted. So it's it's great when you have that synergy and that partnership between the grower and and the the final manufacturer what specifically they're looking for. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was in uh Pottstown, Pennsylvania 2 years ago. I'm a friend of Dick Yingling and we do a charity together and he invited me with my family to do a personal tour with him and it was kind of the same way. He was showing us how he picks the different hops with the different types of beer and the and the consistency of it. And I said, we do the same thing with our blends. It was it was pretty interesting. And uh, I found it fascinating, you know, to be quite honest with you. And I like all those tours, whether it be bourbon, whether it be scotch or or going up to Napa in California and, and, and going on visiting the, the, the vineyards. It's interesting to me, not only the agronomy, but how these guys come up with their recipes or dosages or or blends like we call them in the cigar industry. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, it's amazing when you start talking about um, 
we like to say handmade products. I mean, you, you could beer isn't necessarily handmade, but uh, with these types of products, how many, uh, how much crossover there is with the there way is. things are done, and you know, as far as the farmers that you're working with, same thing in the wine industry, and uh, and really when you get down into it, same thing in whiskey and and uh, and scotch too. With the, the growing region has such an impact on um, on the particular product that it really is kind of fascinating yeah, all, to dig that. Yeah, deep. with all the, with all this stuff going on, you know, we've been doing a lot of facebook live and zoom things and i had uh dan cone from br cone at my shop and oh. he's been producing wine forever in, in sonoma and he has a new wine line he's a big cigar lover and yes. uh, fortunately for me he's a big Perdomo lover and we did a thing together <laughs> with 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 wines and pairings with cigars oh terrific. you guys know i you guys know i like music a lot we had uh the heads of pearl drums who the drums i play with and we were talking about you know great musicians and drummers who who love cigars and love drums. And uh, we've been doing all kinds of unique things, you know, when a lot of guys have been sitting around not being able to do much. We've been trying yeah. to make it a little bit interesting with, with different pairings, whether it be with, with music or drums or with red wines. And I'd like to start getting with some of the masters with bourbon and, and scotches and so on, because we work really close together with them. So it's, I thought it was something refreshing and something different to talk about. Yeah, with uh, everybody having the time, it's I, I can I can oh, see yeah. that you're you're using it you're using it wisely. <laughs> that's uh, that's good, and and you get to do it with a bunch of different things you love. So that's oh, yeah. that makes yeah. it pretty easy, right? And what an honor to be able to talk to three kids that could be my son, you know. So this is pretty good to get to talk to <laughs> an old cigar guy here. You know, nope, I'm going, nobody, I'm going nobody. into my. I'm, I'm going into my third decade of making cigars. Some of you guys were diapers back then, so that's good. That's, that's good. it, Nick. You, you are on the uh, you're on the Christmas card list, buddy. Nobody calls me a kid anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So let's let's take a second. We'll talk about uh, with the pairing that we're doing today, and we all have actually a couple of different things going on. So Randy and I are pairing uh, specifically with a Moscow Mule, and uh, Randy, this is the first time, obviously, we've done cocktails on the show. Uh, I'll give just a brief breakdown of what it is. And the history of Moscow Mule is kind of cool, so indulge me uh, here for a second. So Moscow Mule is, it's going to be, depending on, you know, who makes it, uh, two ounces, give or take, of vodka, your favorite vodka, whatever that may be, um, anywhere from a half to an ounce of uh, fresh lime. And you're going to top it off with ginger beer. Now, there's, you can have, we could make 10 different Moscow Mules and they're all going to taste different because you're going to have different vodkas. I'm actually using, Randy, Kirkland vodka from mm. the, the Costco vodka, which is, from what I understand, comes out of the same distillery as Grey Goose. It's supposed to be good stuff. Yeah, Very good. For the price, and it comes in a big, beautiful bottle. But anyway, uh, so it's we went with like a fresh lime. Fresh citrus makes such a huge difference in oh, any cocktail that we're making. And the ginger beer that I went with is Reed's Extra. It's a Jamaican uh, ginger beer. has a bit more spice to it. So uh, just a little bit of history on the Moscow Mule, because I just thought this was interesting. So it, it's based in a lineage of old-school ginger beer-based cock cocktails called the Buck, uh, which, as far as I can tell, is pretty much the same thing as a Moscow Mule. Um, but back in the 40s, John G. Martin, who was an exec for a bottling company, and they happened to bottle a little-known, this was the term used in the description here, little-known uh, product called Smirnoff. And a guy named Jack Morgan was the owner of the Cock and Bull Bar in Hollywood, California, also made ginger beer. They uh, got together one night. Their products weren't really selling very well. Vodka wasn't moving uh, in the U.S. in the 40s for whatever reason, or at least this guy's vodka wasn't. 
Um, the ginger beer wasn't really a, a huge market. So they came up, they sat around the bar, they were drinking, they made these cocktails and decided we're just going to make this cocktail with our own stuff. They really put their, uh, their work behind it, did a lot of marketing and it took off. Um, no real reason why it's, it's served in these copper, copper mugs. The ongoing story is they also had a buddy who had a bunch of copper mugs that he needed to get rid of. So they, <laughs> they basically just took all their, uh, they each had a, an industry that was kind of failing for them. They all came together and made this uh, cocktail that really kind of brought everything around. Uh, for whatever reason, in World War II, it, it wasn't very popular. Um, I don't know why. But, uh, if I could they, say something, I heard about yep. the copper mugs, why they used the oh, copper oh, mugs. Oh, go ahead, it was, please. It was, it was to keep it very cold because mm-hmm. it could retain. And it, it's a refreshing drink, you know. Oh, it really it is. is. The copper yeah. mugs are huge. Do you remember it when, is, like, this drink was getting popular and, like, you had to give them your ID to get the mug? Like, they wouldn't trust you to take that copper mug? I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A deposit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. No, this was, and the Moscow, the mules of all kinds. Like Jordan, you're drinking a, uh, a Kentucky mule. Um, Kentucky, and I, I also pat- had to swap out lemon for lime, and it's pretty, pretty stinking good. Got to say, interesting. Nice. So you're drinking a totally different drink, so, and I'm smoking a totally different cigar. Um, I'm not even using ice. I have a popsicle in here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm drinking uh, a Scottish. I'm drinking a Scottish mule. So there, there you go. There you go. Beautiful. Uh, uh, so yeah, so they, they kind of brought this back in the sixties. They did a big ad push for mule parties and they used, uh, they used stars at the time. Woody Allen was one of them that they used and, and, uh, and for whatever that just really, it took off from there and it's been kind of a staple of, uh, of American cocktails ever since, I guess, really from the sixties, it really, it really did build up at that point. But Jordan, like you said, like within the last 15 years, I feel like they've really become huge and you're making with different kinds of fruit and it's it's a very flexible cocktail super refreshing and very easy it's, to make it's got to be like one of the most flexible because you just you hear the kentucky mule mexican mule there's just every sing, you can put anything in there and it works um patrick uh larkin is having a uh, a havana mule which Ooh. i didn't know that was a thing but it's got uh he's using um uh he's using uh, it's uh cuban rum why can't i think of the, the brand name havana cuban rum Thank you. Havana Club. So, uh, Randy, uh, a question from the audience from Matt Hall. Is there a difference yes. between ginger beer and ginger ale? There, wow, you stumped me. Well, I can tell you that ginger beer has nothing to do with actual beer. Um, yeah. And I would say just by drinking, there absolutely is a difference. I can't speak uh, with uh, any certainty to what those differences are. Anyone else on the panel here <laughs> you want to chime in? It's spicier, definitely. It's definitely spicier than, than ginger ale, and it's uh, it pairs well with cigars. That 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 little spice, mm-hmm. also, whether it be a Connecticut wrapper or a Maduro wrapper or a sun grown wrapper, it kind of pairs well with a good cigar. Yeah, for some reason, before this show, I was not imagining it to pair well. I've just never had a mus- uh, a mule with a cigar before, but it's actually pairing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm thinking the same thing, and I think the the main difference with ginger beer, and you guys kind of touched on it. Ginger ale is, is much sweeter. Uh, I don't know about the process that is, is done differently. Ginger beer does not have any alcohol in it, uh, much like root beer doesn't. Uh, well, most root beers don't. Some of them do now. Uh, I'm sure you can, find, you can find ginger beer that has alcohol in it, probably. Uh, putting alcohol in everything now. But, uh, yeah, the big difference is just the spice level and the sweetness. But yep. that changes with uh, the different uh, brands that you use. Uh, Randy, I think you're, you're going with a super uh, high-end uh, ginger beer oh. tonight, aren't you? 
I am drinking the Fever Tree uh, ginger ginger beer, and I went with Kettle One as Ooh. as as my uh, vodka of choice. I feel like yours is probably spicier than mine. The Fever Tree is pretty spicy. I'll I'll tell you, I drank some. So this is my first time getting the the Fever Tree. I also got it at Costco. I love the Kirkland branded stuff. They just do a great job with their partnerships. But uh, uh, Costco is carrying the Fever Tree, and I tried it by itself. And you're right, like there is. I wouldn't be surprised if you told me there was a touch of cayenne pepper in it. Like it's got mm. that kind of like, oh, totally. heat. When, when you blow back out, you definitely pick up that heat on the palate. Yeah. One thing that, that uh, really kind of made me curious about this pairing was uh, the use of the citrus. And for me, I, I, I have a hard time with citrus and cigars. Sometimes it really works. Uh, sometimes it's terrible. Um, and this pairing is actually working out really, really good. Um, and I was kind of trepidatious about the pairing to begin with, but I think it's working out really well. Um, Do I recommend a great cocktail for cigars that, that I, has yeah. citrus? I, I, was, I was about to say, well, you actually chose uh, Moscow Mule for this show, but, but what, what's your other recommendation? Uh, one, one of the things that I would recommend is a, a very good tequila, sipping tequila with a lime uh, of some ice can be crushed or a ball of ice and uh, a spice that the Mexicans use called tahine, which oh, yeah. I really like. And when I was in Mexico, um, a guy recognized me at, at this resort and he was the president of the Mexican Cigar Society. Oh, wow. And uh, he, he was voted the top mixologist in Mexico. So in my younger days, when I was in the Navy, I, I got I got in a fight with a bottle of tequila and it really kicked my ass and I never drank it for like. 30 years and when he when he gave me this drink my wife said no you got to drink it and I said oh my god it's tequila I can't smell it and I started I started I drank the drink and I thought it was fantastic and you know I'm I I really like that drink with with a good cigar and it has citrus but just a whole lime freshly squeezed lime with uh with ice a little bit of that tahini it brings some spice with a good sip in tequila give it a shot I think you guys will really like it that sounds real interesting yeah we'll have to try that Yep. I keep, I keep tahini on hand at all times. With uh, tequila, yeah. you got to go in Yeho, where it's absolutely barrel well, I like aged. the mezcal too. Oh, yeah, you got to have a yeah. The mezcal I like too. It's a little smoky. It goes real well, also. I've never yeah. been able to got... get into the mezcal yet. It's uh, it's like a ultra peaty scotch. You know, it's just like it's pretty yeah, intimidating. Ultra peaty, yeah, no ultra peaty scotches I don't like, but I do like the, I do like the mezcal. It's 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 just smoky and I like it. It's it, it works good. But I agree with you on the peaty scotches. No can <laughs> the, <laughs> Nick, the the rumble that you had with tequila. I had a very similar one with mezcal <laughs> uh, fairly recently, and uh, I, <laughs> I haven't. Uh, it was my wife and I were on a trip. We were we actually were in uh, Amsterdam. And we ran into a friend there, oddly enough, who said, oh, I saw your Facebook post that you're here, you know, come and hang out. And we were at a bar and we got to know the bartender. So we were doing drinks with him and everything. And he kept making, um, I think he was making Negronis with Mezcal. Yeah, the sugar will kill you together with that. Oh, man. I think I had three or four of those. And it was, it was fun. And then then it wasn't. It's like fighting with with Mike Tyson twice. You know what I mean? It's not a good thing, man. It was uh, it was rough. So, but I am interested in that. uh, Like when you get a really good tequila, it's much different than the tequila I remember drinking in college. Right. You know what I mean? It's totally different beast. Totally different. 
But it, so, yeah, Nick, uh, you're drinking uh, scotch tonight. Yeah, which, I'm, uh, which my specific one? I mean, what did you give me there, Andrew? What is that? It's called McAllen Estate. I like it. I'm a friend Ooh. of scotch. And uh, I like all the scotches, the space sides. I'm not a big PD guy at all. But I even liked a lot of the Japanese uh, whiskeys. I think they're fantastic also. And uh, But I think my probably my, my go-to is Belvini 14, the Caribbean cask. I really enjoy that also. But I'm a... I'm an equal opportunity alcohol drinker, so you know <laughs> I go across the board. But you were talking about consistency when you start talking about stuff like Balvini in that uh, that Caribbean cask. I've had that; it's been around for years. I've had it for yes. years. Every time you get it, it's exactly the same. And there's and something to be said like. for for that level. Uh, you know, much like your cigars, have that level of continuity of flavor uh, to to carry over is is impressive. Yeah, that. Thank you, and that's what we strive for. You know, it was funny. I, I, I tell, I tell my son this, who's our director of sales. I said, look, we've gone through all the rough roads. What we need to do today, the only thing that that I work for is is the consistency of the product, that our consumers enjoy each one of our blends, regardless of what they are, and our retailers feel confident in them selling them. And I think with consistency. I always tell young cigar guys that are coming in, if you have a quality product, you will build quantity. And I'm the first one to tell you, because I was the boutique guy who started out of a garage that sold less than 10,000 cigars this first year. So nobody can tell me about boutiques, except I actually made all my cigars and didn't pay other people to make them. So, you know, if, being a manufacturer, starting from the small and, and building it up, if you do have a good product, people will come. I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting though because we've talked about uh, it already a little on the show. When you look at beer, wine, uh, even tequila, spirits, it, when you're working with an agricultural product, uh, I think a lot of people that don't understand the, like you said, the, understand the agronomy behind it. That every year we face a new challenge to be, be able to match that consistency. It's not just take ingredient A two parts of that in one part of ingredient B and voila, you have the same product. You know, your, your each ingredient has these variables each year that, that takes, um, it takes a, a really skilled palate and a lot of attention to try and uh, match those flavors. Cause it's not always the same parts. It's not even always the same ingredients to give you the exact flavor profile that you had in previous years. Spot on. You're absolutely right. Uh, a lot of that has to do with technology and so on, but you're right. Nick, um, forgive me if this question has already been asked in the show, guys, because sometimes producing, I don't see all the, hear all the questions. <laughs> um, I remember when I was first getting into cigars, I got confused with Connecticut Shade and Broadleaf. Like, is, I was, is it the same seed? Are they just fermenting it differently? Why is one Maduro? Is, are they completely different seeds? Can you go into, like, the actual origins of Connecticut Shade? Sure. The, the Connecticut seed wrapper is a totally different seed than the broadleaf wrapper. The broadleaf wrapper almost looks like an elephant ear. It's a heavy type textured tobacco that's grown up in the Connecticut Valley that's uh, very heavy. I, I happen not to use it. I used it for years. I'm more into the, to the seed varieties that we use in Nicaragua um, with our tobacco. It doesn't mean it's, it's a very good tobacco. It's extremely popular. I just find the sweetness with the Habano seed that we use to be a little more brighter. Um, but it's it's an excellent wrapper, but it's a very coarse wrapper where a Connecticut seed wrapper is a very thin, elastic-type wrapper. It's a very small vein structure. They're, they're really two different animals. It's, it's like comparing, you know, 
chicken to steak. It's 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 that different. But uh, they they both have their their great attributes, and I respect both of them very much. So, do we know where that seed actually came from? Is it is it Cuban seed originally? No, the the, the Connecticut seed. If, if it's not, you know, it was, it was brought along along the Massachusetts and the Connecticut Valley. I think it was developed in the United States. And um, the, the great thing about Connecticut and the valley up there running along uh, Massachusetts, you got some really nice cold fronts during the summer. And we always say in the tobacco world, the cold fronts are medicine to the tobacco. And that's one of the great things we have in Nicaragua, where it'll be 80 in the day and it'll be in the, in the 60s at, at night. And those cool fronts help the growth of the tobacco. And we have a, a really unique thing in the Esteli Valley. We, we have very dry humidity. It's a lot like California. But usually between 12 and 4 in the morning, the humidity will spike up to 90 to 100 percent, which is very good during that time because it's dark, it's cool, and that moisture allows that tobacco to continue growing, and uh, it's really a godsend for us. We have a tremendous amount of water, which that's what Nicaragua means, never without water. We have these great fertile grounds with volcanic matter with no lead, which is a godsend. And we have upwards of 12 or 13 hours of sunshine in drought. And because we have a great water table, we actually inundate water with a drip system underground. So our leaves don't get any water where a lot of countries have to depend on rainwater. And what that does is when those water droplets hit those leaves, they wash away a lot of the resins and oils and and sugars of that tobacco, which is really flavor. And that's one of the great things we have because we grow tobacco from we start the seedlings in September. And when we when we go out to plant, we really work from from January and we finish up at the end of May. Matter of fact, next Thursday will be the, the final priming and the last picking in the Lapa Valley. We have and we'll be finished and the cycle is very small. Oh, wow. All right. Interesting. Uh, so you, you mentioned uh, uh, Habano, Nicaraguan Maduro. Uh, you do. You mentioned before you do something a little bit uh, different than a lot of manufacturers that you actually have a shade, a sun, and a Maduro uh, wrapper for each of your lines of cigars. Do you do you lean towards? Are all the Maduro wrappers the same? I guess is the base of my so, question. No, because some are different primings. It depends on the blend. So I have some heavier type tobaccos and heavier type tobaccos. We only have five or six primings when we grow tobacco, so we'll use mostly fives and sixes, which are what we call ligeros, depending on the type of tobacco. And what we have Visa, which is in the middle of the bush, which are our third and fourth primings, are going to be a little thinner in texture, and we use those on certain type cigars that we make. So they're a little bit different, but we offset them. You know, when you have a binder which holds the filler together, if you're going to have a thick wrapper, you have you have to offset it with a thinner binder. If you have a thinner binder, a wrapper, you have to offset it with a thicker a thicker binder so you have good combustion. So that's part of the blending process to have consistency because if you don't follow those primings, those cigars are going to change. And I know it's got to be frustrating when a guy smokes a cigar and he says, I really loved it. And I'm sure you guys have, have had it where you smoke the same cigar out of the box and it doesn't taste the same. You know, that's one of the great things about vertical integration for us being growers and being able to do everything. It really locks us in lockstep to be, to be able to build consistency with our brands and, that's why I'm proud that we have brands like Champagne. I mean, 20th anniversary is one of our younger uh, brands of Jordan smoking, and that brand's nine years old. That's one of our newest ones. And it seems like today everybody just throws something against the wall and hope, hopes it sticks. I want to have consistency where I have brands that continue selling throughout the years. And when we come out with that, it's a strategy. That's why we don't come out with many new cigars. 
and it takes us a while. We have two new cigars coming out this this July, which we're we're really happy that we're going to introduce a lot of people. Have asked us if we can come out with something new, and uh, maybe I'm kind of dumb, but it takes me a couple years to really come up with something. But I'm really proud of the two newest brands that we got coming out of their grandfather brands. It's the new Perdomo Reserve Maduro and the new Perdomo Reserve Sun Grown. And these are a little bit different cigars. They're going to have a little more sweetness to them. We've added a little more jalapa tobacco. They have that mm. Perdomo characteristic of rich flavor, but also with a little more sweetness. And we've been really happy with, with, with the project. We were planning on coming out with that cigar in January. But our friends of Rydag, our packaging people, were a little delayed with, with different tints and powder golds. And, of course, what happened in March, which I don't want to get too much into, back them up a little bit. So um, those cigars, by the time they get they get put out to, to market, have been made. They're going to be over 11 months old oh, in wow. aging rooms. Yeah, so they're going, to be, they're going to be really special. We're excited about those two new brands. And I'll send you guys some. You know, send me your yes. address. Yeah. Tell me what you think. It's a, a little bit different. Uh, on our factory tours, we had a lot of people smoke them. We had over 500 retailers and consumers smoke them. We didn't tell them what it was. We just said, see what you think. And people loved them, including Great. Jordan's dad. And uh, we're really excited about it. You know, we have a very stringent uh, quality control, but we also have a stringent t- uh, tasting team. You know, if you take our, our guys like Aristides Garcia and Sarah Gonzalez, you I mean, we have we have a big group of, of tasters. We have over 350 years of experience. Wow. So, um, yeah, those are the guys who are toughest raiders. Not yep. guys that have a magazine with three or four guys tasting hits of mushroom and balls of wood. I'll be honest with you. I've never tasted any of that stuff in a cigar. But, you know, it's, you know, when you look at, you know, a lot of people ask me about ratings. And one of the magazines I'm really partial to is Cigar Journal. And the reason is they have almost 70 people in their tasting panel. So you really get a big demographic of doing that. And smoking is very subjective. So, you know, I respect everybody's opinions, but if you have one guy giving you his opinion, it might not be what your opinion is, or if you have three guys, but when you have 60 or 70 different people from all over the world that smoke everything and come to a consensus, I think that's probably the biggest broad-based audience you can get. We have nine guys that, 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 that are in our tasting panel that are really professional tasters and cigar smokers. And one of them's been in the industry for 77 years. And the other one's been in the industry for 56 years. And I got to be honest with you. I I really have a lot of trust in, in, in what they, in what they say and including my, almost my four decades of smoking cigars. So, um, but I always want to get your opinions too. You know, that's important to me. It's, it's nice to have, uh, you're coming out with something new. You don't do it all the time. Like you said, and you've got a, a focus group of 500 to come through your factory <laughs> and tell you what they think. And I, I mean, I'm saying that a little tongue in cheek, but really, that's not everybody has that kind of you, you don't have not everybody has that kind of pull where they can have that many people come to their place, taste the cigar and give you an honest opinion on it. Yeah, it really is. And we didn't tell them it was something new. We just we would we would open up wheels on our tasting panel day and we'd say, look, we'd like you to try the cigar. So also, if you like it and be honest, if you don't like it, put it away. It's no big deal. It's not going to hurt our feelings. And it was incredible. The response was just overwhelmingly from this is maybe the best cigar I've ever smoked to. It's great. And, you know, I never really got any bad responses on it. And a lot of these guys that came down um, are, are big cigar smokers, of course. I yep, mean, to make yep. the trek down Esteli, they're definitely sure. interested in cigars, you know, <laughs> for sure. So 
we do a lot of that, you know, so it, it's important for us. And that's one of the things we like about the tour, too, that we get a lot of subjective guys that, that smoke and have different palates. And we kind of unite them and see what they like and what they don't like. So I, I know we're getting close to the end here, Rob, but if I could just ask, uh, I, I am curious, you um, as you mentioned, and we don't get into that type of uh, news uh, per se on, on this show, but given that the typical way to release a cigar is going to be different this year than it has in the past, uh, what is Perdomo going to do to um, publicize and to get the word out and release these cigars? Well, Cigar Dojo is going to be one of our one of our outputs. going to let people know. But, yeah, mic uh, drop. <laughs> and, and you know, yeah, a short job. And the, is we don't really, we really don't advertise. Um, it's really word of mouth. It's our sales team who does a phenomenal job. Our home office in Miami, and the and the and the and the greatest retailers in the world that have been carrying our brands for many years that uh, really trust in us. You know, one of the things I'm proud of when we go to a trade show, a lot of times they'll say we have this, and they'll go, I'll take five or 10 boxes of shape and size. And a lot of times at the end, I'll go, would you like to try it? And it's the trust <laughs> factor because they they know what we do. A lot of them have been to our facilities and see our quality control and so on. A lot of people will tell you that when they come to our facilities, they see something very special. And then what we do is we're going to do something different this year. We're going to bring the, the show to the consumers. I'm sorry, to the retailers where we're going to do a virtual video and we're actually going to bring the show to them. And uh, we've been really, um, we've tried to be as helpful as we can to the retailers. We know we've, they've had a tough time. We feel very bad about that. Normally we don't have deals in March and April, but we did some really aggressive deals in March and April for them to build more margin to help them. Um, I think we're all in this together. We started this in 2008 when we got whacked with the S-chip tax and we were the only company to absorb it. And I'm proud to say in 28 years, I've only had 10 price increases where most people in 28 years have had at least 28 of them. Yeah. So I think that we've, uh, during the boom, a lot of them had a price increase every quarter. And mm. we've always tried to maintain our prices because we know it's tough for the consumer. Cigars get more expensive. Believe me, growing tobacco gets more expensive. Our company spends in excess of $2 million a year just in fertilizer where 10 years ago, that same $2 million was about 430000 So, you know, costs go up consistently. Technology brings you costs, but we're trying to be as fair as possible so our retailers can propel the sales of Perdomo cigars in their stores and our consumers can enjoy them at the same time. And it's worked out very good for us. And that's how we built our brand. And basically by a lot of shoe leather, I miss all the guys out there. I miss visiting their stores. I miss doing events and our guys do too. And I'm proud to say we never closed our facility in Nicaragua. We kept it open. We took a, a consensus vote. We followed what, what the medical staff told us to do. We've been to our facilities. You know, they're pretty much antiseptic anyway. I'm a germ freak if there ever was one. And our guys really, really stood and we voted on it. And we told them we'd pay them whether they worked or not. And they said, no, we want to work. And that's a tribute to our team where the average worker's been with our company for 19.4 years. Wow. And uh, wow. we all pulled We all pulled the same way. We have a very dedicated staff, and it's the greatest asset to our company is our fantastic workforce. We're extremely blessed to have them. Uh, fantastic. If I could get I another the average, the average. Sorry, sorry, uh, Jordan. No worries. The average employee has been there 19 and a half years. 19 and a half years. I still have eight of my wow. original employees when I first started Nestle. And my staff was a whopping 11, and one of them passed away. So 
there was only two that actually left the company. And, and since I've been there since 1995, um, wow. we've had over 698 uh, employees retire from the company. And uh, I've tried to be in every retirement procession that, that, that we've had for them because it's a big deal for us. And uh, listen, in the United States, two of my oldest salesmen passed away with the company. They didn't even want to retire. And it just shows what a great team we have oh. and the great leadership we have from, from our vice president, Arthur Kemper, down to everybody where it's a big difference having a family business and people in the industry that really know, know that the, the Perdomo team treats its workers really great. And we have a lot of longevity because of it. And I'm really proud of that because that builds consistency. When you have to retrain people and hire new people yeah. over and over again, you have less consistency and uh and i don't want that i work too hard to not have that so i'm really proud of that wow that's impressive that is jordan what were you going to say well i was just going to get another uh, audience question in there from uh chad sure. chad wants to know do you still have any of those first cigars you made like when your company first started and maybe i'll add on to this how, if you do how are they aging these days well, every cigar that we make, I always keep the first box. And what I've normally done lately is I don't normally donate them to a charity and sign them because they were the first box, one of one. That's what I've been doing lately. And a lot of the older cigars, I was just in Arizona uh, about six months ago, and a guy had handed me the, reg, the original La Tradition cabinet series. And that cigar, believe it or not, was about 23 years old. It was superb. It burned really well. It was excellent. But when a cigar gets that old, it will lose its flavors, the oils and everything secrete. It's just natural. Um, look, a, a good cigar maker cures his tobacco, ferments it till it's bursting in flavor. And I always tell people, any box of Perdomo you smoke, they're ready to smoke right there. We did the work. That's our job. If you want to lay them down for another year, basically what you're doing is you're going to smooth that cigar slightly, but you're going to start breaking down the flavor characteristics. It's no different than buying a Porsche and you buy a Porsche 911. Believe me, don't put aftermarket wheels on there. The factory designed that car to its <laughs> optimum in the same way. And, and, and a good cigar uh, factory, an export factory, like my dad used to say, always is going to produce the very best for its customers. So, um, yeah, they, they, were, they were very devoid because they were just so old. You know, I sure. just think that a cigar made by a, a very good cigar factory, it's reputable. Um, you should really smoke that cigar within a year of you having it because a good factory makes sure that tobacco is cured and fermented and aged perfectly and bursting with the flavors that, that the design and the, and the blending team designed for that actual cigar. And that's what we do. Nice. Great question. Nice. So, Randy, do you want to, uh, now that we're getting close to the end here, it's kind of become tradition for us to rate our pairings, right? Yes, indeed. Um, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. I, I think, I, think I let the cat out of the bag already. I was going to say, I think we, we've all are already uh, gushed over how well the uh, that, that citrus and, that, and that, uh, that spice character coming from the ginger beer very much uh, intertwines well with the, the flavors of the cigar. And I think Nick said it well in the beginning, you know, I, I, when I'm... I started with Maduro cigars coming in as a smoker and have slowly, uh, you know, trained my palate to, to uh, understand and to recognize some of the lighter nuanced flavors. This takes literally no evolution. I mean, this has plenty of body. This has a, a lot of flavor. This does not come off as, as a lightly flavored cigar just because it's a, it's a, a shade wrapper. 
Um, so very medium body, very full flavored. And I, I'm on my second, you guys missed it. My beautiful wife brought me a second, uh, Moscow mule while we've Ooh, been on the air. Here. Bada bing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going thumbs up. Absolutely. I'm going to agree. Thumbs up. Uh, now that we know that Randy is halfway through his second cocktail, it's time <laughs> to, to wrap things up here. Um, but uh, Nick, thanks so much for taking the time. It was a great time to chat with you. It's always fun to talk with you. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Hey, my pleasure. I love this and uh, love talking about my passion. It's nice seeing young guys who, who love cigars. I, I remember when I was a lot of your ages and and how much I, I enjoyed it. And it's funny, even at my age today, I, I enjoy it really more than ever. It's uh, it's such a pleasure being in the cigar industry. I really love it. Awesome. Awesome. That's, Thanks that's again for taking the time. Oh, yeah, sorry. that's that's twice that Rob got called young on this show. This is a really, this is a whole new era. Oh, for his me. beard is gray. Come on. <laughs> Look at that gray beard. It's, white, actually, but, be, you know, it's good to be young. It's good to be young. <laughs> Uh, do we want to maybe throw it over to Jordan for what's uh, coming up on Smoke Night Live on Friday? Yeah, what's happening? We are doing the Hall of Fame show. Uh, <laughs> I believe we're going to be. I'll be. I'll be in studio here, and Randy and the Sensei will be in Vegas, and we're going to be inducting some uh, some dojo guys <laughs> into the Hall of Fame. Not Randy. No. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Something's going to happen. I don't know what it is, but that's exciting. So this is. This is the first. You didn't do a Hall of Fame induction last year, right? We did. We we okay. did them until like 2016, and then we realized that like every time we did it, there were so many guys that got their feelings hurt that weren't in it. But then we took like three years off, and and then we just said, "Who cares? We're doing this. We don't care if guys get mad or not." And you came back <laughs> with the biggest Hall of Fame class in history. So we, yeah, we brought it back last year, and now it's it's back. We might even do it like a couple times a year. We feel like Why it. <laughs> Why not? The dojo Why not? is uh, the dojo so big. so big. Awesome. Again, Nick, thanks for taking taking the time to hang out with us. Thanks to everybody who tuned in uh, on Facebook. Thank everybody you. that uh, is checking us out on podcasts, we appreciate that. We'll be back with oh, Randy. Next week, we're smoking. What are we? We're smoking and drinking. What's the pairing for next week, Randy? Do you have that in front of you? I've I got it. It is the the numero uno from Hoya de Nicaragua, right? Mm -hmm. And we uh, may, or well, actually, and the pairing is going to be, it's still up in, in the air. It's still up in discussion. I have one idea, Randy has another, so we're going to arm wrestle and figure out who, uh, <laughs> so Randy's going to get his way is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> but, uh, we'll, figure, we'll post that up for you guys later this week. We'll be back next week. The Hoya de Nicaragua, numero uno is the next one on our journey through uh, the Connecticut rapper looking for that perfect pairing. We'll catch you guys next Wednesday as the odyssey continues. Take care, everybody.